Good morning to all of you, to our Family Life Church, and to friends and family around the nation and even around the world. Uh, I'm wondering, how are you doing? We've been in a mandatory sheltering at home now for about a year, I think it is. Um, Well, maybe not a year, but it can feel like that, doesn't it? Uh, I've had people describe it as incarceration, as jail. It can feel tough at times. Uh, The coronavirus is impacting pretty much everybody certainly through the sense of isolation and sometimes feeling not just alone, but feeling lonely, through the economic issues. Many people are either out of work or their hours have been cut and they're concerned about what they're going to do. And of course, relationally, it can be tough where you haven't been able to see your family, to see your kids, to see your grandkids. And then, of course, there are those who are concerned because of health issues. Uh, Word has begun to spread about different ones that we're aware of who have, in fact, the coronavirus. So I'm asking you honestly, how are you doing? How are you doing economically? How are you doing relationally? How are you doing physically? How are you doing? Um, in so many ways, the world we're in right now is a recipe for anxiety, worry, and fear. It's really easy for people to say, don't be afraid, but you know and I know that our feelings are not as easily controlled as that. Sometimes they just are. It's not like we asked for this or ask for our feelings. They just come to the surface. Um, Many are tempted during this time to make impulsive decisions, often majoring on self-protection rather than love and care. And here, I'm thinking about the hoarding that goes on. Uh, I mean, it's become a meme that's a joke. I've had friends actually do videos joking about their piles of toilet paper in their bathroom. I heard recently about stores that are actually opening their hours early for the elderly so that they can go in and not feel rushed by other people. And they've stipulated that it is specifically for the elderly. But of course, the youngers, many of them, don't care and go in anyways and intrude upon that time, pressing everything based upon their own sense of self-preservation. And I have to tell you, I understand it. When we're afraid, when we're anxious, when we're worried, some stuff of our own selfishness and self-protectiveness comes to the surface. And let's be honest here. I am as prone to fear, to anxiety, to worry as are you or anyone else. When the news began to come out about this virus, initially we thought it would be confined to a very local region. And we thought they would be able to handle it. And then we found that they had to close down that whole region and then ultimately the whole nation. And then word began to spread that it had spread to other nations. And we found 
toilet paper and bread emptying our shelves and our stores. And then we heard of cases in Washington and California and ultimately here in New York State. And things got really serious for us. And of course, we all just waited for the announcement that we would have our first case of COVID-19 here in Wyoming County, New York. This past week, our governor said the rate of new infections is doubling every three days. How in the world do you not be anxious and concern yourself with those kinds of things? But I think that as Christians, it's at this point in time when everything seems to be hitting the fan that we have a choice. We have a choice of either allowing worry and fear to overwhelm us or we can actually turn our hearts toward Jesus and draw near to him. The Bible tells us the mind controlled by the flesh is death. Have you discovered that at this time? That if you let your feelings and your thoughts go, they spiral downward into no place good. That they can give you, give yourself over to such fear that it becomes overwhelming and controlling in nature. How many of you have found yourself evaluating every twinge and every ache at this time, wondering, could it be that I have? I know I have. It's at this point that I can instead pause for a moment and invite the presence of the Lord into my spirit. And I can move to a completely different place where I end up with a completely different perspective of the Lord Jesus sitting upon the throne. Not threatened, not afraid, and not shocked by anything that has gone on. Now, before I get into exactly what I want to share, I, I want to just remind you, we need to do the practical things that have been asked of us. Um, we need to uh, wash our hands. I know growing up on a farm, washing our hands wasn't a huge deal. We'd wipe them on our pants and eat and drink and go on about our duties. But during this season, I have washed my hands more than I ever have, I think, in my whole life. I have friends who tell me their hands are getting raw. Um, someone said that you should sing happy birthday to yourself twice, and that's the 20 seconds you need for washing your hands appropriately. Somebody else said you can recite the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23, and that would be the same kind of time. But we need to wash our hands. In some ways, using hand sanitizer reminds me of my missions trips, where we would use hand sanitizer before and after we would eat, and before and after we would shake hands, trying to kill all of the germs. We need to practice social distancing, although I don't like that term because I don't like the sense that we're drawing away from people. The truth is we're having physical distancing, but our hearts, our spirits are still very much with our friends and with our family. And as a church, we are obeying the mandate of our president and of our governor that we not gather in large groups as would be our norm. Um, that's why we're having church today over the internet. And I'm pretty much staying home unless 
I absolutely need to go out to the church for working on a message like today or here to speak that message to you, but I'm doing it to an empty sanctuary. So we're doing our best to obey those mandates, believing that the blessing of the Lord will be upon us and that this virus will soon burn itself out and we will be able to gather once again. But having done all that we can on a physical level, are there some spiritual things, spiritual disciplines that we can do that can help us during this time? And what I'm going to share with you, you can either do right now as I'm describing it, or you can actually take notes and you can practice it several times throughout your day as I am doing in my own life on a day-by-day basis. My prayer is that it will help us to find a place of confidence in God where we can relinquish things into the hands of Christ, feel his embrace around us. We can realize that we have the experience of shalom, the peace of God, and enter a time of thanksgiving for his rest. And for those of you that know me at all, will realize that those four words are actually an acronym. They are relinquishment, embrace, shalom, and thanksgiving, the rest of God. So if you would right now, I'm going to ask you if you would take a posture of rest, of comfortableness to you. For me, that means sitting kind of straight up, putting my hands on my lap. And you can do that right now if you would, and just enter into this exercise with me. Now what I would like you to do is to breathe deeply, just as we did last week. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Just do that a couple of times. And as you're doing it, I want you to think about the fact, even as I said last week, that you're breathing in the presence of God and breathing out fear, anxiety, and worry. God Come in, fretting, go out. Do that several times. And if while you're doing that, thoughts of worry, other things come to your mind, I'd just encourage you, let them pass like clouds in the sky. Don't fight them, just let them blow right on by. Don't let them disturb your time with the Lord. In a way, we're training ourselves to be present with the Lord. It's so easy to get caught up in what has happened or what we fear might happen. So here we're disciplining ourselves to stay present with the Lord. Paul said, set your attention or your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The songwriter years ago said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, with your eyes closed and your attention focused on the Lord, God's word tells us in Philippians 4.4 that we're to start with rejoicing in the Lord always. What this means is from a place of attentiveness to the Lord, we give thanks to God for his many blessings, great and small. Isn't it true that even during this time, God 
has been good to you? How many of you have found that the internet, Facebook and FaceTime and YouTube have taken on a new life for you because you've been able to connect with friends and family in ways that are disallowed by this physical distancing? How many of you have had friends check up on you by calling you on the phone or texting you or messaging you? Those are blessings of the Lord that people care about you and want to know how you're doing. How many of you have had food and drink? Toilet paper and bread. Those are blessings of the Lord. And we ought to give thanks to God for those things. Or maybe you've had time like never before to slow the pace of your life. To get up in the morning and make a cup of coffee and just spend some time with God. Maybe you've never even done devotions, but you found yourself during this time able to do that. That's a blessing from the Lord. God's using this for us to make time for Him. Rejoice in God's kindness to you. And Paul was so adamant about this that he actually said it twice. He said, right, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. In other words, once you've done it, do it again. Maybe it would be helpful to you to actually make a list that you can remind yourself as you're drinking your coffee. I want to make a list of what God has done in kindness to me. Excuse me. Then Paul says, The next thing we're to do is remember the Lord is near. God is near. Aren't you glad God is not distant and silent? He comes near to you as you draw near to him. That's what the scripture says. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. (coughs) Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. None of what's going on has taken God by surprise. His eye is on the sparrow and he cares for you. Jesus said, look at the lilies of the field. God's very aware of every petal that they have and he cares much more for you. So when you breathe in out, give thanks to God for his many blessings, small and big. And give thanks to God that he's near to you. And then the third thing Paul tells us in Philippians 4 is we are to pray. Pray. Having given thanks with a thankful heart, we're to pray. We're to let God know what are the concerns of our heart, of what's on our mind right now. The scripture says we're to cast all our cares upon him. So what I'd like you to do is with your eyes closed, as you're giving thanks to God, as you're aware of his presence, Tell him what's going on, but do it in a specific way. I like to picture it this way. As I'm praying and I'm telling God what's going on for me that I'm upset with, I like to think about God putting his hands out. And I'm taking those things and I'm placing them in his hands and taking my hands off of them. So would you just drop the things that are concerning you right now in God's hands and let him handle it? He's far more able than we are. He's far more capable than we ever could be. And then Paul tells us, number four, we need to firmly anchor our thoughts. He says, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, 
And if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I said at the beginning, we have a choice. I can't always control what I feel, but I do have some control of my thoughts. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, we should take our thoughts captive. In other words, marshal those thoughts, grab hold of them. Because when you can control your thoughts, you ultimately impact your feelings. It reminds me of a story I heard recently. A man from San Francisco had bought two Doberman puppies. And he just loved them. But as they got older, they needed a little bit more energy outlet. So he would take them out for a walk. But they had this horrible, horrible habit. When they would be walking and he's holding the leash, every time they would see the garbage that people had put out for the garbage men to pick up, they would root through the garbage and they would end up smelling badly and just all kinds of mess. And this happened day after day. And he was about ready to quit taking them out for a walk until he told a friend. And the friend came up with this marvelous idea. Why don't you actually train your puppies? And he thought about it for him and he thought, it's true. Why don't I train them? So he took some time training them. And then the next time he went out for a walk, when he could in the distance see the garbage piles on the side of the road, he would simply say to them, eyes on me. And they would turn their heads and look towards their master and walk right past the garbage pile without even getting near it. Isn't that a good suggestion for us? That during this time we need to keep our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus? To think about him? I told you last week, one of my favorite scriptures of King Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, God, but our eyes are on you. And Paul was so adamant about this that he actually said this again and again. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And finally, number five, Paul tells us that when we have done this, when we have given thanks to God and realized that God is near, when we have marshaled our thoughts and our feelings, when we've turned towards God, when we've given Him our concerns, he says, then the peace of God will come. Rest from the cares of this world and rest in the Lord's great ability and love. When we do this, peace first comes like a trickle. But as we do it more and more, it becomes a steady stream inside of our hearts where we can rest and trust, confident in the Lord. Like the three Hebrew children's, confident that God can save us, but trusting that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay because He's with us. God has this. Paul says twice, verse 7, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It will do sentry duty over your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And then in verse 9 he said, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And then the God of peace will be with you. When we have done this, God promises us peace in our hearts. We talked last week about the parentheses of his presence, starting in the morning and ending our day aware of God's presence. Well, all I've done today is said, how about we fill that parentheses? Fill it with his presence, not just at the beginning, not just at the end, but all day long and several times throughout our day, just positioning ourselves to become more and more aware 
of God's presence and His goodness and kindness to us. Now before I close in prayer, let me remind you, let's be willing to help others whenever we're able. Let's not be so focused on self-preservation, on selfishness that we forget or neglect love. Pray for one another. Don't just tell people you'll pray for them. Actually pray for them. Pray for them by name. As we get word of different situations that people are facing, my wife and I have found that our prayer list has grown because we want to pray for people, naming them before the Lord, knowing that God can do far more for them than we can. Maybe just text them or give them a call or message them on Facebook. Just let them know you're thinking about them, you care about them, and ask if there's anything that you can do to help them. Maybe you can't because you're at risk, but you could put them in touch with somebody who could help them in a safe way. Uh, This past week, uh, Bill Northcutt, one of our own members, a good friend, let us know that he was down at Walmart getting a prescription. And so we said, well, while you're there, would you pick up a prescription for us? And he did that. And he just left it in a bag on our doorknob. But we could do that kind of thing for one another because we can continue to love God, love people, and love Warsaw. And then don't fall into the trap of blame shifting. Let's not make this about politics or geography. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting a disease, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Let's not make this about a specific place and blame them for it or politics. I've had people say this is a big conspiracy. Let's keep our focus on Jesus and not play the blame game. And finally, don't be overly consumed with media reports. I'm not saying let's be ignorant. I mean, I watch the news. I've listened to the governor several times. I've listened to our president. I've listened to the newscasters. Absolutely, I think we ought to be aware. But let's not be consumed with that more than consumed with what God says. Or I can guarantee it will leave you depressed and discouraged. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. I want to end with just a couple of scriptures. Psalm 89 And verses 14 through 18 says this, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, O God. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of our strength. By your favor, Our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. I discovered this week that the Hebrew word translated into festal shout actually means an acclamation of joy or a battle cry. It's about faith. It's it's a choosing, a choice to shout in faith and anticipated victory. Against all odds, despite evidence to the contrary, it's a war stance, a declaration. My God is greater than this. My God holds my life in his hands. It's a trust in God. It's rejoicing 
and God's great ability. Zephaniah 3.17 words it this way. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And then Psalm 47, 1 and 2. <clears throat> oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is great king over all the earth. I want you to hear this. Absolutely nothing can ever compromise who he is or who we are in him. The word translated festal shout in the Hebrew is teruah, which we could translate the Lord reigns. Aren't you glad that God reigns in the midst of all of this? No matter what the report of man, God still sits on the throne over all the earth and he's not surprised nor worried. I want to close our time with first a benediction, benedictum, a good word as we close. And then I want to finish with an acclamation with you, the benediction. And if you would, you could just kind of close your eyes and hear it as from the Lord. This is what God told Aaron as a priest of God, to declare over the people of God, the Lord keep you from all evil. The Lord keep you. The Lord hold you in his hands where no one can pluck you out and nothing can move you. The Lord keep you from all evil. The Lord keep your life, your entire life, your health, your longevity, your posterity. The Lord keep your life. The Lord keep your going out and your coming in. All that you do, the Lord keep you from this time forth and forevermore. And now, that declaration, the acclamation, what I'd like to do is, uh, on the count of three, I would just like us together at home with your kids. Why not include them in this? And hear me in the sanctuary of the Lord. I want us to declare on the count of three the festal shout, which means the Lord reigns. So on the count of three, we're just going to say the Lord reigns and end our time together. Are you ready? You can do it as quietly or as loudly as you want. If we do it together, no one need be embarrassed. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord reigns. Say it again. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Amen. God be with you.